Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What would you say if I told you there's a book that can teach you how to win The Bachelor? What would you say if I told you producers caught multiple finalists reading that book in this season that's currently airing? What would you say if I told you the producers don't want anyone to know that their show has been compromised? How do we know all this? We wrote that book. I'm Lizzie Pace. And I'm Chad Colchin. We're the authors of How to Win the Bachelor and the hosts of the Game of Roses podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we break down all the biggest plays, errors, and MVPs in the game of reality television. Listen to Game of Roses wherever you get your podcasts and go to howtowinthebachelor.com to get our book. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hi, it's Dave here, and I'm with my wife, Kathy. Hello. And you're listening to The Cinema, where we walk home from the movies. This episode is going to be all about 2018 and the best movies that we saw this year. And, and that, some of the worst. And some of the worst. Uh, so we're going to do each of our top fives, which, as always, uh, neither of us has seen each other's lists. Yes, it's top secret and thrilling stuff. It's so thrilling. Um, <laughs> it is, then, actually. I get really excited trying to figure out your list, so I think I know what you've got as number one this year. Then we're going to uh, reel off some other great movies we saw this year, a few honourable mentions. Then we're going to do uh, our worst of the year, our most disappointing. We're gonna and do we have a brand new category. Yes, yeah, second chances. So second chances, so movies that we may have given a negative review to that we've changed our mind on. Or vice versa. Or vice versa, movies we may have given a positive review to on first viewing that we've also changed our mind on. So it's a thrilling, thrilling new category. We're very excited. You're also going to hear from um, some of our uh, favourite guests from uh, the past year and some guests who are coming up in the next year with some of their favourite movies. Uh, Because, I guess, crucially, we haven't seen every movie that came out this year. We're uh, We're not film critics. We just go to the cinema once a week if we're lucky. And we also uh, don't live near any art house cinemas. We tend to go to very mainstream stuff. So I'm I'm basically caveating that our lists are probably going to be pretty mainstream. Our lists are just like of the movies we got to see this year. You know, there's there's at least 10 movies I could name that I wanted to see that I've missed and many more that I haven't heard of. And, you know, it's difficult when you're working and you know you've got a life it's really difficult to get to see loads of movies so why we love getting contributors on for this episode and we did it last year as well is that we just get a different perspective and a different take from people um so yeah bear in mind these are the top five movies for each of us that we've a seen this year and b that have resonated with us most this year yes i think that's very important to yeah. say because i i mentioned it very briefly in our uh, christmas episode 
I personally find uh, the whole list making thing a little objectionable I think it's a fun exercise but I think um, the, the sort of the debate that gets sparked off the back of it tends to be annoying and intense in that like how could you put that, that number four instead of number three that should have been higher and it's like when actually um, movies in themselves are a form of art and art is sub- totally subjective also I'm subjective um, because if you'd asked me yesterday I probably would have had a different list I'm very well, that's, that's the thing and if yeah. you asked me ten years ago what my favourite movie was it might be different than it is now so, so anyway. basically these are, the, these are the five movies that we most enjoyed personally this year, this year. And, and I'm not saying that they're the best movies because best is uh, uh, totally ir- the best irrational is to thing to say and one other thing we're in Ireland so we actually did this episode in Ireland last year as well in Bray in Wicklow and this year now we're, we're in Cork. Cork yeah where we're both from um, and we are walking and around a, and it's a dry sunny day it's a glorious yeah. day and we are uh, baby free as well it's just you and me to, yeah. uh, the joys of being in Ireland with his having family around to help you with babysitting but anyway we digress into our top five go you go right. first go go so, fast come on quick my fifth I mean some of these will be quick because we've already done reviews on them um, let me find my list because I messed up my TV list so I'm not messing up my film one um, quick quick come on quick Ah, I can't find it now. I'm panicking. Oh, oh, here we go. Dead air. So my number five movie of the year. Yeah. And I never thought I'd say this, but I have a superhero movie in as my fifth movie of the year. Dear Lord, is it Spider Man? Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, wow. um, which we literally just reviewed. So I'm not going to go on about it again. We did a very long and excited review about this movie. If you haven't seen it already, and if like me you don't particularly like superhero movies, but if like me you are a human who who lives in the Western world and who's heard of Spider-Man, you'll enjoy this movie. Um, it's a fantastic cartoon. And it's cartoon. in cinemas now. It's in Go cinemas now. It. It's a fantastic cartoon. It's beautifully animated. I loved every bit of it, particularly from Miles as the lead, the new Spider-Man, to old Peter Parker as his begrudging mentor. And um, honestly, this movie just left me really happy and I walked out of the cinema with a big smile on my face, which is what I usually want from a film. Dave. Oh, that five. was quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, we okay. just reviewed it. My, my number. So when you inevitably have it as your number one, don't go on for too so, long. What? I'm not that. Am I that predictable? <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Um, my number five of the year is also an animated movie, but it's not that one. It's uh, Coco. It was a uh, Pixar's um, movie this year. Disney and Pixar. Um, lovely movie, which we also reviewed uh, back in February um, about um, set in Mexico during the Day of the Dead festival. Uh, young boy. Not called Coco. Not called Coco. Visits, it's called Miguel. Visits the afterlife. I think um, he's called Miguel, is he? I, I don't remember. <laughs> I think... But his I name's mean, not Coco. That sounds like well, you just pick, you plucked the most cliched Mexican name. I, I think it might have been. Um, basically, I thought this was a lovely bit of work. Um, it's not... Um, probably not my favourite Pixar movie. Not, pro- not my an- favourite animated movie of the year. Um, oh, Really? Spider-Man be somewhere on your list, <laughs> but um, but it's it was very um, first of all it's it was uh, well it's uh, politically important for uh, showing a, a culture that uh, we don't often see on That's the politically important. The it's important in general. Culturally important. Culturally important to, to yeah. see you know more di- more diverse uh, cultures represented on screen. Um, it's a lovely story. Um, it's the music in this movie is beautiful we had the soundtrack um, basically on loop uh, throughout the year in fact you know Spotify does that end of the year thing where it looks at what you played most and my top five songs were all like lullabies for babies 
Uh, and then after that was, was Un poco was loco. Un poco loco. We listen to Un poco a lot. Un poco loco. But Fun. really, I mean, the main song, song is Remember Me. And it's the, the use of that throughout this movie. And you hear it in various forms. is just devastating. And, and uh, I've watched this movie again since. Um, and it absolutely reduced me to floods of tears. Uh, both times. Both times, So it's, yeah. it's a... It's a beautiful, lovely, lovely visual animated movie, um, and very touching. So, so give it a look if you haven't seen it. Also, quick check-in: I f- we should have said at the top of the show we won't spoil any of these movies. There's no spoilers. We won't spoil anything beyond the the basic plot details of any of these movies we talk yeah, about. Yeah, like nothing you wouldn't see in the trailer. Cathy, um, what's your number four? Right, my number four. We're making great time. We're making great time. My number four is a movie again I reviewed on the podcast. Dave hasn't because he didn't see it. Um, and it was a movie that filled me with joy again and I left the cinema with a huge smile on my face and that movie was Mamma Mia! Here We Go Again which is a fantastic title to the sequel um, and I went to see with my sister Jackie who I love going to see movies with and we just had the best time um, I would say yeah, it was like completely joyous it had an amazing cast with a star turned by Lily James who is an actress I had seen in a couple of things um, but never really noticed sorry we're crossing a busy road here until this and oh my god she just lights up the screen I mean she's incredible um, it's such a fun movie and I know everyone who saw it absolutely loved it it was fun funny touching it's everything I wanted from a cinema trip because I just love musicals um, and there is another musical I saw this year called The Star Is Born that I absolutely loved as well but this just had, like, this is ABBA, right? So nothing can beat ABBA. Um, and then Cher shows up and sings Fernando, which is the single best cinematic moment of the year for me. You've been dying to do your Cher impression. I've been doing you? a Cher impression a lot. Go on, go on, get it out of your system. No, I don't think, I have a sore throat, so I can't sing very well at the moment. Um, Kathy was annoying me with her <laughs> Cher impression for weeks. Uh, I'm, I'm, like, tempted to do it, but I'm not going to do it. And anyway, I loved it, and I think everyone who didn't see it should watch it because, do you know what, it's such a fun movie, and it will just leave a smile on your face, and that's lovely. Um, I, I want to see it. I enjoyed the first one. It's just, like, total fluff. The second one's better than the first one, though, which is, is very it? unusual for a that sequel. Yeah, much better. Um, all right, you done? I'm done. My, uh, my fourth favourite movie of the year was Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, which we've also reviewed on the podcast yeah go back and check that out Uh, this I mean I love this franchise so much uh, because oh I mean the the action scenes in these movies get progressively more insane Uh, partly due to the fact that Tom Cruise sort of seems to try and outdo himself every time Uh, and you know famously like he's crazy he's crazy and he's doing a lot of this (laughs) stuff himself so in this movie he did like 140 halo dives which is one of the most like dangerous like um, uh, skydives you could do he did 140 of those to piece together one sequence um, I don't think there was anything quite as crazy as the uh, him scaling up the Burj Khalifa uh, in this movie but just the fight scenes in this are so well choreographed there's a brilliant uh, fight scene in a toilet which really stands out in my mind these are really fun movies um, I love all the characters. The I will say the plot of this one was a bit like nonsensical and unintelligible. I mean, I loved the but, movie at the time. I couldn't tell you what it was about now. But actually, um, 
it was interesting. I, I would recommend everybody go and listen to uh, Chris Hewitt's interview with uh, director oh, that was amazing. Christopher Macquarie, which is in two parts. It's like something like four hours long, and famously. He did another one for Rogue Nation with him. And uh, it's on the Empire podcast. And Chris Hewitt, a uh, former guest of ours, who you'll be hearing his uh, best best uh, and worst movie of the year shortly. But that's a cracking interview. That is just some, this is just exceptional. Christopher McQuarrie is a fascinating man. and But what he revealed in that was that they basically had a skeleton of a plot and the story was malleable and basically shifted based on whatever they wanted to do. So Whatever they start, Tom Cruise wanted to do. Yeah, they to start with, I want to do a dive, uh, and then um, and then they wanted to do the helicopter stuff, and then they kind of just worked backwards from there and, and just connected some dots. So that's kind of why the plot doesn't really matter as such. But the plot but, during the movie works. It's not a movie that you're sitting there uh, going, the plot's terrible, it's just not memorable. No, but as soon as you start... Uh, I remember afterwards trying to, like... If you actually think about it for a minute, a lot of... doesn't really add up. But anyway sensational action scenes uh, Tom Cruise was actually hanging off a helicopter <laughs> like and and it's, it's just beautifully put together Christopher McQuarrie can really like um, display an action scene and it's it's like absolutely thrilling it's uh, it's fun this for, the, for me I'm, I mean these movies are the pinnacle of action right now um, and if you haven't seen this go check it out just go and watch it for fun is all I would say Oh, so um, much fun so much fun okay so the my number three of the year is a movie we didn't do a review of on this podcast um, and it's one that I watched on Netflix and it is called Private Life which honestly I hadn't heard of at all and then I just randomly read a review on it somewhere and was home alone one evening and decided to watch it and I loved it and this is the kind of movie that when I watched it I loved it but it resonated with me for a while after. So it's probably good we didn't do an initial podcast on it because it may have had to end up in my second chance one. Not that I would have ever given it a bad review, but but more that it really stuck with me afterwards. And um, so it was written and directed by Tamara Jenkins, who um, wrote and directed The Savages, which was out about 10 years ago. That's a great movie. Yeah, and I haven't seen that, and now I want to see it. And I know that it was hugely like critically acclaimed Philip Seymour Hoffman and Laura Linney playing siblings I think yes that was it Um, and then it stars Catherine Han who I have only ever seen in like bad comedies is the only way I can describe it like what springs to mind is actually the movie I watched for our Christmas episode last year with Scummy Mummies which was terrible Uh, Bad Mom's Christmas she's in that and this movie is her in a really, you know, serious role and she just brings so much to it and kind of briefly what the movie's about and I won't go into it because it's probably not one people have seen trailers for and I don't want to spoil anything but um, it's about... Uh, so Catherine Han and her husband is played by Paul Giamatti and I was really pleased to see him in this role as well because it reminded me that actually as an actor I used to love him and because I've seen him in a lot of things lately... And it, what springs to mind is Billions, Billions. <laughs> which is a show I've watched a lot of, where he's just such a stupid. He's show. just posturing and shouting and being really disgusting. And to me, that's not acting. That's just he's just being really gross in that show. And this brings back the fact that he's a really sensitive and endearing actor. And they play a couple who are in their late forties, um, left it very late in life to try and conceive, and it just follows their journey as, as they try and get pregnant, basically. And 
and I think it's a movie that could be easily dismissed on first first look at this summary and say oh wow first world problems you know white couple in their 40s trying to conceive they put it off because of career reasons whatever and that was kind of my initial feeling and then but then as you watch feels really personal and it feels like it was written by somebody who whether or not she went through it has a very deep understanding of that process in particular like the emotional and financial implications of IVF and the complexity of the adoption process which I've heard a lot from other people and it sounds so hard like it's so it's such a sad thing about our world that there's so many people in the world who want to adopt and there's so many kids who need parents and somehow like it's just really difficult to, to marry the two up but the movie isn't actually downbeat even though the way I'm describing it sounds it's a really beautiful movie like Dave you'd love it but it has an ending that just blew me away and that doesn't often happen and it it's a it's an ending that ends in like a lot of silence which is in a movie where people talk a lot and um and the ending i just watched the ending as it rolled over the credits and just thought wow this is amazing and this is really unique and um i loved it so yeah that's my number three of the year great called private life and it's on netflix um my number three of the year is also one that you didn't see uh, it's called a quiet place um this is the oh I'm so annoyed I missed that one because I know I'd love it but and we did I uh, did do a, an episode on this uh, with uh, Lee and Andy from the Par- what's the point paranormal podcast um, this yeah you'd love this movie it's it's a <clears throat> it's a horror movie if anyone who doesn't know it's um, instantly uh, lands you in a in a sort in a world where it's sort of I would say post post apocalyptic type world where most of humanity has been wiped out by monsters who react only to sound um, and so the sort of a simple premise which is don't make any noises uh, or you can you can basically make very you know you, you make very quiet, quiet noises <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I any, actually didn't even listen to your review of this because I don't want any of it spoiled for me so oh, it's, keep it's, it short this is such a like from from the very beginning this is confident like filmmaking directed by Jonathan Krasinski uh, most famous for playing Jim from the US office uh, married to Emily Blunt in real life and they play um, on screen husband and wife here so you, you basically stay with this family it's a, it's a husband wife and uh, and a few kids and you're, you're, you're th- there's no origin tale here which I like you're just thrown into this is what their lives are like living in essentially complete silence uh, communicating through uh, through sign language, uh, and but ju- it's all about the the little details in this which I enjoyed, like nobody wears shoes. Uh, they're all everyone's always barefoot. Um, they've got a series of uh, they they use lights very cleverly. So if uh, if if there's a, if there's a, an emergency and they need to warn everybody that the monsters are nearby, you wouldn't do a siren or a call or anything. They've got a series of red lights hooked up, and you flick the red lights on. So Dave, what you're saying is if someone wants a more detailed review of this, they can go back and find your review from earlier this hey, year. Stop trying to shut me up. <laughs> you just you just went on for ages about the Because your we haven't movie. reviewed that already. We've already you've already reviewed a quiet place. Yeah, but come on, let me let me just let me just gush about this movie. And I for literally a bit. just said I hadn't um, listened to your original review because I don't want spoilers. Oh, is that you you're afraid that I'm spoiling yeah, it? Yeah, I don't want to know anything. Okay, fine. Uh, well, anyway, I'll speak more generally. It's um <laughs> It's it's an excellent. It's a very tense movie. Um, it's a great horror movie. Um, it doesn't um, pander to its audience. It doesn't deliver a whole lot of exposition, except for one or two slightly clunky moments, which which let it down. Um, 
But it, it's 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 brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Emily Blunt, uh, obviously an amazing actress, um, and she has some moments in this where, if you imagine like an intense moment where all you want to do is scream and you can't, it's it's like absolutely terrifying. But a brilliant cinematic experience to have as well because you're in a cinema with a load of people who generally are a little you know people move around or have popcorn so it's like it, it really put this sort of cinema etiquette to the test okay um, but and yeah, you're really Kathy, putting me to the test alright you, you, you just should watch it because okay. I want to watch it again thank you right my number two of the year is a movie that we've already reviewed <laughs> so you can go back and listen to the full review it's also one day but it's number five of the year it is Coco lovely um, I love this movie and actually I loved every part of it but I also loved we had a really amazing experience it was one of our I think it might have been the first trip or the second trip that we went as a family to the cinema this year because earlier this year when Oscar was little um, him and I used to go to parent baby screenings every week every Tuesday morning that I loved and Dave took a couple of half days from work and, we, and he came for this one to see Coco and the three of us just had a lovely time and Oscar loved the music um, so obviously it was a very special day for me but also I just loved the movie such a beautiful story um, it's all about music and and the importance of family is really what it comes down to and the importance of culture um, it's a wonderful central character we mentioned the little boy is just so fantastic whose name we can't remember I think it's Miguel maybe it is Miguel should have yeah. done some work on this um, and he just all he wants to do is play music and that's just such a lovely thing um, and it's interesting Dave what you said like you know how important it is to represent other cultures and this movie was such a smash hit in Mexico. It made so much money um, because it is a representation of this huge culture and not just Mexico, but all Spanish language speaking countries. You know, it was huge. Um, and particularly the narrative of Mexico and the press at the moment is so horrible. What's happening between um, Mexico and the United States and the horrible things, you know, that are being said about Mexican people. And this movie is so celebratory of that culture. But again, that's not the reason I love it. The reason I love it is just that it's a wonderful film and it just filled me with joy. And the music was really spectacular. Like, it's fantastically written music. Um, so much so that I mentioned we loved Un Poco Loco. And earlier this year, um, with Oscar, we used to be able to hold him up and his little feet would dance, kind of against his... <laughs> it wasn't of his own <laughs> yeah. volition, they would just move. And we played Un Poco Loco and he was dancing to it. We made a little video that I sent to the director who responded very kindly that he really enjoyed it and that was like made my week. Um, so yeah, and look, ultimately what I just loved about this movie at the core was the relationship that the little boy had with his grandmother and with his like great-grandfather because that's a really special relationship, I think, that someone if someone's lucky enough to know their grandparents, it can be a really wonderful thing and this movie really captured that, which I loved. Right, drum roll, Dave. Either Spider-Man's your number one or we're divorcing and I don't know you at all. That was a number two first. That was number two. That was your number two. Oh, shit. Okay, sorry. You can't do how to do this at all. <laughs> if anyone hasn't listened to our best TV of the year uh, yet, uh, Kathy decided to accidentally do a top six because she's unable to count properly. Um, uh, even though she specifically announced her number one show, which then she realised was her number two show. Um, so my number two of the year is... Um, Avengers Infinity War. Yes, I knew Spider-Man was your number one. Well, excuse me, you don't know that. Okay, for a sorry. Fact. Leave some suspense for the <laughs> audience. Um, oh, really? You enjoyed Avengers, did you? I really did. Um, again, you what can. What about go- Black Panther? I thought that might have been in there. It's 
my maybe it's my number one. Oh, okay. Bit of suspense. Um, Ooh. So suspense is killing me. Uh, <clears throat> so for anybody who does want to listen to us talk at length about Avengers: Infinity War, uh, we went to see it with Scroobius Pip earlier in the year and had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I have to say, even I enjoyed it. I'm not sure how much can be said, how much more can be said about this movie because it's probably one of the biggest talking points of the year. Well, it's the biggest or second biggest box office, isn't it, between this and Black Panther of the year? But really, I think I'm surprised this is in your list because to me, it's just I've completely forgotten the movie. It was such like popcorn fluff. I mean, look, it is popcorn fluff essentially, and this is why I think I need to stress at the beginning: this isn't one of the. This is not an like. It's not one of the best films ever made. It really has nothing to say. It's just like. It's just a, a fun supercorn, super supercorn. <laughs> it's a superhero popcorn flip, which I've now coined supercorn. <laughs> to be um, fair, it is the culmination of every movie you love ever. Well, that's it. I, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with this stuff. Uh, I, uh, for anyone who hasn't heard my my Marvel movie marathon from ages ago, I watched them. Well, all of the ones that were available back to back over a weekend and went slowly nuts. Um, but I love this stuff, and and this is like, I mean, ten years in the making. It's an incredible achievement, really, that they managed to have the sort of patience and dedication to slowly spin this out over a long time. We got a lot of standalone movies, and we've had two sort of group Avengers movies before this. But the scale of the amount of characters that they got into this uh, is is quite something. And the fact that it wasn't a complete mess, I think, is the most surprising thing. Oh, wow, congratulations that your movie isn't a complete mess. No, but I mean, going into this, I thought, like, how is this even possible? Like, because Avengers Age of Ultron was just, like, okay. Um, And we've seen movies before that just absolutely fall over when there's too many characters, such as Spider-Man 3, uh, which had too many villains. Um, Yeah, but Spider-Man 3 was also shit. But but, that's not the only reason. No, no, but partly it was because there are too many villains. There's three villains in that. But actually, hang on. That's the three villains. This this has like dozens of characters. But this um, also had the Wakanda setting, which is what made Black Panther so good, and I think that helped elevate this movie. Like I think this movie wouldn't be as good as it was if it hadn't had Black Panther right before it. No, it certainly helped. Yeah. But then you could argue the same about about any of the previous movies because we've all had. I mean, it obviously helps when you you all the audience already has relationships with all these characters, and it's fun to see them interact. But I think the other big surprise for me was not only that they managed to. The, credit to the Russo brothers for actually pulling off this balancing act but that Thanos was a huge surprise really it's his movie um, he turned out to be somebody who going into the movie I thought was one of the most boring on screen presences we'd ever seen he hadn't really done anything I assumed he was going to be another one note CG blob Steppenwolf type yeah they're type always thing. the Achilles heel of these movies the villains yeah. until Michael B. Jordan in Black Panther Michael B. Jordan was great um, but but he was a real surprise because it's really it's his story and his journey as such uh, and you can look at it that way he's the protagonist uh, they managed to to flesh him out and humanise him in really interesting ways to the point where like he has a point of view and a cause that you kind of kind of makes sense on paper obviously he's kind of lost the plot um, but he for me him and as Josh Brolin playing him was the best thing about this movie uh, totally unexpected and I've seen it several times since. But obviously the action's amazing. I love watching this stuff. It's just great popcorn movie making. Absolutely loved it. I'll stop gushing. Yeah, refer to our review from earlier this year. For oh, more. and I can't wait for uh, Endgame, which um, I haven't watched the trailer for because I'm so excited that I don't want to know anything going into this. Not a single bit. Okay, spoiler, there's Avengers in it, right? Um, 
Okay, so my number one of the year is Widows, um, which again we watched very recently, and it's not just because it, it was a recent viewing. It's like generally the really a lot of the really good movies get kicked for this part of the year, you know, because of award season. Um, so this is a fantastic movie that was directed by Steve McQueen, and like I waxed lyrical about it on our podcast. We both liked it, but I liked it a lot more than Dave did. I love the story, um, like it's a heist thriller really complex characters loads of politics in this um you know there's loads on america today around like politics and race and class and all of that stuff which makes a really rich background to the movie but ultimately for me it was about viola davis and and those female characters and what they were doing which was actually albeit in a grim setting like fun like it's a fun fantasy to imagine that you and like a group of women you've never met before will suddenly like pull off a heist um, so I was Is actually it? do, you, do, you, do you fantasize about that? no but I just think like that's cool like that's a really cool thing um, and it's it's a funny thing it's kind of the other side of the coin of Ocean's 8 which I had watched and enjoyed this year but honestly it knocks Ocean's 8 out of the park um, interesting that they were released the same year it is interesting and honestly I was at the edge of my seat with this movie and really didn't want it to end and I'm generally like want movies to be quite short but I could have watched this movie and been in that world all day I loved every bit of it I loved all the casting um, we did mention there is a particularly gross kiss at the start of this movie between Liam Neeson <laughs> and Viola Davis that um, the whole cinema squirmed and made horrible noises about when it came on Um and yeah, I just loved it. I love every part of it. And to me, what this movie shows is that when you put someone, you know, behind the screen who is really interested in telling like a genuinely new story, what this involved in this instance is uh, a complete mix of race and a complete mix of gender. And it just felt rooted in reality that I'm watching a movie with people who just aren't all men and they're not all white and and they're complex and you know you've got people on different ends of the spectrum from like you've got really wealthy people like Colin Farrell and then you've got I've forgotten her name but the amazing character who played the babysitter who we think is like rivaling Tom Cruise now in terms of running Um, she was just like an amazing action star I can't remember her name but there was just such everything about the show film was diverse Um, from the gender to the races to the classes to you know the baddies and the goodies and but ultimately the reason I loved it so much all of that is a rich background but what I love the most is I just love the story and it completely gripped me great okay um, and I'm really happy it came out this year <coughs> so my number one of the year do, do, do. is Spider-Man Into the yes. Spider-Verse knew it um, th- this movie we just did a review on <laughs> yeah so I'll try not I'll try not to repeat myself because uh, we did wax lyrical about this for quite a while but for me okay and it's been a few weeks now since we've, we've seen it um, and basically every day since I've seen that movie I have thought about it I've re- every day since you've yeah, seen that movie every day I've, I've been look, I've been like I look at the I go on YouTube a lot and I my, I look I've looked at the clips of it so many times in the trailer that my YouTube newsfeed now the algorithm has just decided that I only want to see Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse which is true so it's all I see Um, but I'm obsessed I got obsessed with the soundtrack to this uh, which I listen to on repeat at work I replay the movie in my head which I haven't done since I was a kid so when you know when you're you know when you're a kid and you love a movie so much but uh, you you know you, you you, you can't see well, it when you're day. young you don't see it for a long time it comes out on VHS but I mean when we were really young VHSs were weren't even 
really readily available to, to buy. You'd have to rent them. And I used to rent movies over and over again to try and experience them. But this movie, I was just re- I've been reliving over in my head. I haven't had such um such an experience in the cinema like this in so long where I just felt like a kid um, I was just filled with joy throughout this I was completely absorbed in the world and I was happy I was so happy I just forgot about all the all the issues with the world outside I was absorbed into this story I was um, just stunned by the, the the visual style of this felt like a huge transition a leap forward I've never seen anything like this it looked like a comic book had come to life we didn't really talk enough in in our review about the the lovely little details that they that they took from comic books you know uh, did, did you notice when you when when they zoomed in on people you would see the dots that used to be yeah, present on, on an old comic yeah, book in the, really in the cool. printing that, that doesn't even exist anymore I think but that's, that's one of the reasons as well we got confused and thought for a minute that we should have had three gla- 3D glasses well, on well specifically a lot of people have uh, pointed that out that I think everyone thought they needed 3D glasses because they they decided they made all these choices they're like the background uh, and the foreground are going to be in different shades so they blurred it out which is something that, that is, is similar cool. to how um, a movie looks a 3D movie looks without the glasses. And but after but about five minutes, we adjusted. It, it works. was just initially. But also, like, the frame rate isn't like a hundred percent. Like there's a little bit of stuttering, which also makes it. But somehow, just makes it look even cooler. They blend um, text speech bubbles and text graphics. This is like it's. This movie is in love with comic books and its source material, and it and celebrates all movie. that. And I, I, I just lo- love this movie so so much. Um, not only is this my favourite movie of the year, it's my favourite movie in so many years. I haven't bought a Blu-ray since, I don't know, maybe... Remember you bought all the Jurassic World ones, the Jurassic Park movies. But that's like, when we were living in Australia, so that's like maybe five years ago, I bought, was the last time I bought a Blu-ray, because everything's streamed now, it's so easy. But I'm buying this Blu-ray the second it comes out. I want to own this, I want to cherish it. I... I'm absolutely obsessed with this movie. I'm going to try and go as many times as I can again in the cinema. I cannot stress enough, like Cathy said, if you if you look at this and think, oh, another Spider-Man movie or whatever, this thing's been played to death, you haven't seen anything like this. It's it, This is fresh and original and bold and interesting. And at the bottom of all that, once you get past all the style and invention... There's just a great story. Yeah, there's a great and a great central character, Miles. Miles is a lovely character, and and he's been and the movie's been populated with wonderful supporting characters. It's and anyone funny. can wear them off. It's it's got a lovely, lovely fundamental message that basically Stanley would have would have loved. Um, I just love this, and and so I, I even the other day I'm trying to convince people to see this. I was saying to my sister and her husband, we were around the telly, and an ad came on, and they were just like rolling their eyes, and I was like, no, that's my favourite movie of the year well that's and when I went to see it because originally when we heard another Spider-Man movie was coming out I had rolled my eyes and said good luck to you go without me and then like slowly but surely all these film critics and people whose taste I respect started saying no this is one of the best movies of the year so I was like hmm okay I'll go along and I was like oh this is just a cynical cash-in and, that's and what, I came out loving it and like glowingly reviewing it so. and that's what I'm doing right now for the last time because I'll stop harping yes. on about this if uh, if you do respect our opinions and you, you like what we like, please give this movie a chance if you're even halfway wavering about it. Go support it. Uh, I think it's already got confirmed sequels and all that, which I'm excited to spend more time in this, in this Spider-Verse. Um, 
but just I just love 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 this to death and it made me happy and excited about cinema again because for the most part it's just I think mainstream cinema and blockbuster movies have become very repetitive and a load of shite really I mean we only watched like what Avengers 20 this year I wouldn't have thought it was any repetition in the cinema. <laughs> um, but thank you, Dave, for that. And if anyone wants to hear Dave glowing even more about that movie, you can uh, listen to our review from a few weeks ago. But now we are going to take a break so that you can hear some of the best and worst movies of guests of podcasts past and guests of podcasts yet, yet to come. come. Hi, everybody. Linda here, Kathy's mom. And I'm going to skip right past all those big Hollywood movies that are probably going to make the Oscars. And I'm going to talk about, I think, my favorite movie of the year was a little independent movie called Love After Love, which starred Andy McDowell and Chris O'Dowd, both doing amazing performances. And it follows a family as they come to terms with loss, with grief, with family crisis and with family breakdown. And it's not a movie that tries to fix anything or wrap anything up in happy endings. And it did make a big impression and I think it's worth checking out. Worst movie of the year for me was undoubtedly The Fantastic Beasts. Um, I thought it just disappointed for itself and also kind of tarnished the whole happy Harry Potter genre for me. So definitely want to be avoided. So happy new year, everybody, and see you all in 2019. My name is Scroobius Pip, and I'm the host of the Distraction Pieces podcast and sometimes guest on the cinema. And my film of the year, I've struggled with massively Dark River Blew Me Away, Journeyman. Um, Oh, there's too many to choose from, but what I've settled on is The Square, because there's two particular performances in that, two particular scenes that are two of the best bits of acting and most emotionally evocative bits of acting um, I've ever seen. One uh, in humour and one in just drama and amazement. Um, it's tough on my, on my worst film of the year because genuinely I've I've enjoyed so much. I enjoyed Solo, which everyone seemed to hate. But a film I saw at the beginning of the year which was technically out last year, but it came out after Christmas, so that barely even counts, but everyone loved it, and I didn't really get it, is The Greatest Showman. I felt like it was a film um, pulling up a chair and sitting on it backwards, like a cool teacher trying to be hip and uh, and appeal to the kids, and it didn't click for me. Anyway, that's my choices. Hi Dave and Kathy, Chris Hewitt here from the Empire Podcast. It's far too wet and cold to walk around today, so I'm sitting in a chair instead. Sorry, I've let you guys down. I've let this cinema mile down. Anyway, while I realise this makes me a total raging cliche, what with my seemingly unconditional love of all things Marvel, my favourite film this year was Avengers Infinity War. Sorry, but it was. There are 14 million 604 timelines in which this movie turned out to be an absolute mess, as it should have been with that many characters and storylines from the previous 18 MCU movies all crashing together. But I'm thankful that we live in the one timeline where it works. Finding high-quality mental health care can be daunting and exhausting. That's why Cerebral offers convenient access to online mental health services, including therapy and medication management. Cerebral's diverse clinician team can help with anxiety, depression, insomnia, stress, grief, 
big life changes, and more. You can schedule and communicate with your care team through Cerebral's mobile app and attend your sessions from the comfort of your own home. Get started with or without insurance. Plus, you can now use FSA or HSA. Start your first month for 50% off at Cerebral.com slash ACAST. Seriously, this thing is a towering achievement. It is funny, thrilling, surprisingly moving. It's got great action. It manages to give every single major character, all 728 of them, something to do. It delivers an all-timer of a villain in Thanos. And the ending, well, the ending is up there with the Empire Strikes Back for me. Uh, and I cannot wait to see how it all concludes in Avengers Endgame. And for my least favorite movie of the year, I'm going to go with Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria, which is an overlong, pretentious hodgepodge of a film that forgets the crucial element of a horror film to be scary. In fact, it forgot to be anything but utterly tedious with its off, 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 off Broadway play of an ending. No film this year made me roll my eyes or check my watch as often. Good Tom York score, though. I will give it that. That's it for me. Merry Christmas to you guys. Happy New Year. And here's to many more Cinemiles in 2019. Hello, the Cinemile. It's Helen O'Hara here from the Empire Podcast. Um, My film of the year, boringly, was probably Avengers Infinity War. Uh, To anyone who listens to Empire, you'll know that I'm a sucker for an Avengers movie, and especially one where Captain America has a beard that good. Um, Worst film of the year is a bit harder. I think it's actually been a really, really good year for cinema, and the films I've seen already from 2019 have been great. Um, I guess the biggest, maybe, disappointment for me was Red Sparrow, which I thought, given the cast and the people behind it, was... So, yeah, here's to a brilliant 2019 and Merry Christmas. Right, we're back. It's us again. You're going to now hear our honourable mentions, the movies that we love but didn't make our top five of the year. Kathy, shoot. Okay, so um, another one that stuck with me a lot after I watched it and I enjoyed at the time too, I gave it a good review, was Love, Simon. Um, Kind of for two reasons. One is I love teen movies. And I thought they did a really good job of this. Um, teen movies aren't really in the cinemas anymore. For whatever reason, they're kind of in the Netflix world. So I was really pleased to see a teen movie in the cinema, making loads of money. And secondly, it was the first ever like mainstream release movie, uh, teen movie with a gay protagonist. And it's all about this guy, Simon, who's trying to come out. And it just works really well. It's a really sweet, endearing rom-com. Um, second is Mission Impossible Fallout. I loved it. It was awesome. Um, Black Panther, which I didn't do a review of on the podcast. I went to see separately. And uh, honestly, I think it's the best of all those movies because it felt different. I'm, like Those movies are so samey. Um, and this one, like the world of Wakanda and how cool and different Wakanda was. I loved it. Um, Creed 2, again, we just did a massive review on it, but we're big Rocky fans and... I thought Creed 2 did a really we good job. We watched some of Rocky 4 last night. It yeah, was, on, it was really uh, fun. RT. Um, three Billboards, which we reviewed very early this year, but I thought was, you know, I had some issues with it, but I thought, you know, it was a brilliant achievement. Um, and First Man, which is the movie that was directed by, what's his name? Damien Damien Chazelle, Chazelle. who also made La La Land. I really enjoyed that movie. That's your list? Yeah, that's my list. Oh, I've got way more than you. Well, All right, I'll, ra- I'll rattle through rattle these. Rattle through it then. All right, um... 
We're doing all of this during a baby's, uh, baby's nap hour, which is why we're trying to be quick. All right, first man, uh, agreed. That was a that was a real surprise for me because I don't like biopics. Uh, wasn't interested in Neil Armstrong's story. You know how it ends. Yeah. Uh, but it was really worked. Just for me, again, the star of this is Damien Chazelle as a as a sort of uh, a leader and the the sort of the the vision and the audio of this in particular. The, the some of the space scenes are so well put together so tense loved it Creed 2 is a lot of fun uh, really enjoyed it not quite as good as the first but it's as a direct sequel to Rocky 4 which I never thought would happen <laughs> as in uh, Rocky 5 not being a direct sequel to Rocky 4 in many ways uh, this is just a, it's just a lot of fun I love these movies Black Panther agree with everything you said I thought it was just like really fresh and cool and fun and it felt like um, and again Michael B. Jordan knocking it out of the park Michael B. Jordan is amazing in, in both of those movies that I just mentioned um, Annihilation uh, oh is a movie what did you you quite enjoyed it at the time did I oh clearly you don't remember I think um, I didn't like it I can't really remember so this is the Alex Garland uh, sci-fi movie that was released on Netflix starring Natalie Portman um, I think to be fair I think we were a little bit cold by the end of it it didn't quite like quite land for me um, but I think I really admire this movie in terms of this is very unusual and uh, unique it uh, certainly doesn't go it's not conventional and I think that's part of the reason why it didn't get a cinematic release is because and it's not the very studio, good it's, it's not very audience friendly and it's not it's not very uh, studio friendly um, but it's just cool and weird uh, and interesting um, The Post uh, is Steven Spielberg's movie at the beginning of the year I loved because I love movies about journalists and this is just classic sort of it's not it's, there's nothing really this feels like really old school filmmaking and storytelling but it's just fun ah, Tom Hanks movie, and Meryl yeah. Streep I just love all that stuff of like ethic debates and all that kind of stuff Three Billboards you've already talked about but I thought it was a lot a lot of fun uh, You thought Three Billboards snappy. was a lot of fun? Yeah I, I mean it was fun yeah it's fun to watch I mean obviously it's got quite very dark subject matter but there's some cra- it's quite funny and there's some cracking black comedy and brilliant sharp dialogue in that movie uh, and brilliant performances um, Hereditary uh, is a brilliant horror movie uh, that we saw uh, with our, our friend Alex earlier in the year check out our review of that uh, I, I put Peter Rabbit on here what? which we saw earlier in the year and that was terrible no it was not uh, you might you, I actually quite enjoyed it I thought it was quite charming um, if you take aside the quite annoying James Corden voice acting um, and some of the, actually the bunny stuff was quite annoying but it's, it's a lovely sort of charming performance by Donald Gleeson in here um, I thought it was a really fun kids movie I, I think your list is too long and you're like dredging up Peter Rabbit I'm nearly done uh, Game Night uh, is a movie that we didn't see in the cinema or review but we caught on a on video on demand and was like surprisingly good it most, was funny yes. most American comedies uh, in the past few years have gone just total dire and, and most of the cast in this are responsible for all <laughs> those dire movies Rachel McAdams is not no to be fair but Jason Bateman is no longer a sign of quality unfortunately but he uh, this this is a lot of lot of fun really really fun Ch- Kyle Chandler's in here it's funny well. and it's short so it's a good movie uh, definitely check it out um, okay Crazy Rich Asians was a, quite a surprise for oh, me oh yeah I, mean, I meant to put that in this list you, you didn't quite enjoy it as much as I did I don't think but, but I th- I, what I loved was that it was you know a big budget rom-com back in the cinema because rom-com like teen movies are just dying a death and never in cinemas anymore and it's, oh, yes, it's, just, it's I, really, really I just really thought it was like nothing special as such for me but it was like just really entertaining uh, stuff 
Uh, I really enjoyed The Shape of Water. I know you, you Dave, really did. Dave, now you're didn't. just recapping every movie of the year that we saw. No, these are my honourable mentions. Okay. I thought it was great. I thought Shape of Water was really great, and I didn't even see it in the language that it was intended to be <laughs> yeah, seen. Yeah, that was it. our special 100th episode edition for anyone who didn't listen. Um, we did a big review on I've only the got Shape two of left. Calm down. Okay. Uh, Incredibles 2. Um, um, not the best Pixar the movie of the year for me, um, but a... Uh, very confident sequel picks up right where the other one left off and really entertaining sort of superhero stuff doesn't feel as um, as sort of fresh as it, as the first one did but like a lot of fun and the sequence with Jack Jack and the raccoon is one of the best scenes in cinema this year um, lastly The Ballad of Buster Scruggs the Coen Brothers movie on Netflix I thought was really special and different uh, and definitely worth a watch particularly the Tom Waits story has really stuck with me Right. And that's done. That's me. So Excellent. what, Cathy, your second... Please don't tell me all your lists are that long. Um, second Chance, the new category in the cinema best of the year. My second chance movie is The Greatest Showman. Um, primarily because when I reviewed it, and Dave um, didn't see it, but when I reviewed it... I really I, want to see this. I mainly said, like, you know, the movie's grand, but, but the songs are rubbish and I'll never sing them again. I take that back because I have sung <laughs> the songs Greatest Showman every day since I went to see it you you were for weeks afterwards <laughs> you were singing this up to the point where I started singing them and I hadn't even seen yeah, the movie you got the them stuck in my head and I just got the for most annoying one stuck in my head which is never enough never never I can't stop singing that effing song um, so anyway and it was really interesting I saw an interview with Hugh Jackman where he said like because this was his big passion project that he worked on for like eight years and the guys who wrote the music ended up writing in the music for La La Land and winning an Oscar but they were doing this before that and he said their criteria when they got people to listen to songs they said don't tell us straight away if you like the song come back tomorrow and tell me if you're still singing them and that's exactly what happened to me with this movie I had no, really no time for the songs and the next day therefore couldn't stop singing so um, second chance goes to Greatest Showman Dave? I thought we had a few of these no I've got three Right, well then you better rush through them. <laughs> okay, so uh, my first second chance Your is... Your first second chance? Are you joking me? <laughs> <laughs> I've this got baby's three. going to wake from his nap and okay. we won't be there. So um, He's not alone, by the way. He's I put, the I, put, I put Widows down. Um, not that I gave it a, a bad review. Because uh, in general, I think, it's a, I think it is a great movie. I just it didn't really connect with me uh, as, as a character piece or, as, or a really in many ways as a heist movie I don't think it's a very good heist movie I think it's got a lot of problems so you However, you trash it again in your no, no, second no, no, I'm not going to trash it I'm going to call out again the director Steve McQueen because what stuck with me a long time after this movie and the reason I'm bringing it up in my second chances is that there are a few shots in this movie which are just stunning and the best of the year um, there is without talking about specifics there's a car there's one in particular uh, where the camera is placed on Colin Farrell's car and we go on a little car journey that is instantly jarring and interesting and then by the end of it you have this sort of dawning realisation as to what he's just done and it's just masterful and all any, anything to do with cars in this movie uh, with the action scenes with cars it's just excellent uh, second one is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom uh, which we did review and I think we kind of gave it a little bit of a positive review like we had a little bit of fun it was fine um, but I'm, I'm going to do a second chance on it in that it should have gone a worse review because that movie left me almost instantly and looking yeah. back at it it just seemed like a total pointless exercise like a, a complete 
waste of time and money and resources and it's one of those movies we enjoyed because we were in good moods and having fun and we had a day out with it I think it's the definition of like um, fluff f- f- popcorn fluff but not popcorn fluff like because the Avengers Infinity War is popcorn fluff but that is like quite impressive and I've gone back to and watched whereas this is just like it was fine it was fine at the time and we got a little bit of fun out of it but my god what a stupid waste of time all I remember is the catwalk show with the dinosaurs being bid on which was quite fun (laughs) so stupid Um, and the baddie being eaten by a dinosaur and lastly um, Annihilation uh, which I've already talked about but um, I think that does deserve a second chance it didn't really do anything for me at the time but it, it, it did stick with me afterwards particularly the sort of bizarre showdown at the end um, so it's just just excellent stuff okay great um, now I hope your worst list of the year isn't that long um, I have two worst if you can have that um, first is Fantastic Beasts it's inexcusable <laughs> that a movie from this the pedigree of the Harry Potter world and all the money in the world to throw at it and you know some good cast members and JK Rowling behind it who's a great writer would be this bad and now Dave hasn't seen it but this is a movie that um, my mother and I went to see and we both agree it's ab- it was horrifically bad um, so if you want to hear that review go for it my second joint worst is Darkest Hour um, which again Dave hasn't seen but I did a review of it with my dad um, and this movie went on for um What's his name to win the Oscar? Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. I mean, come on. All he did was wear a fat suit, posture in a posh accent and smoke a cigar. It's an absolute joke that he won an Oscar for it. And this movie is actually, honestly, tied up in what I perceive to be a problem in modern day Britain. And we live in England. Um, is that everyone's just looking back to the past and everyone's looking back to to the great past in England and actually England can have an amazing future if everyone looks forward and strives to be an amazing country that's inclusive and celebratory and not be constantly back looking back to you know times gone by and glorifying you know rich white men doing amazing things which is what this movie does and honestly it leaves me absolutely cold and the fact that he won the Oscar I just thought oh whatever there's a million movies he should have won an Oscar for and this is not one of them Dave okay so um (coughs) I did end up putting five on this, but I'm only going to really talk about one and okay. I'm going to rattle off the others. Some of the worst movies that we saw this year. Uh, Harry and Meghan's Royal Wedding, <laughs> unsurprisingly, a Lifetime movie. Uh, it's not a good movie, but... Uh, and yet we enjoyed watching the, it. The two of us and Cathy's uh, mom watched it, if you want to go listen to that. It was kind of a lot of fun to sort of trash. Um, the Cloverfield Paradox, which was released on Netflix. Uh, great series, the Cloverfield films. Total letdown this. Uh, Tomb Raider total waste of time what a pointless exercise uh, Bright which actually has a great concept on, on paper the Will Smith one um, another Netflix which we also reviewed but Jesus that was dire stuff it's, on another side it's been a really interesting year Netflix started out with movies like Bright and Cloverfield Paradox this year being you know lambasted for how bad they were and it's ended on Roma which is everyone's best movie of the year that we haven't seen so Netflix have, have done a real number this year start to end in terms of their film commissions yeah um and then lastly, for me, the, the worst film that I saw this year was Ready Player One, <laughs> um, which, again, I, I sort of went on. I went, you went I on really, too much I and really you don't had, need to do it again. I really had a go at it, um, and nothing has changed in that time. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm not a fan of that work. I think Steven Spielberg certainly created some interesting visuals in this, but I think at the core of this movie is just hollow, and it's... Uh, 
everything that I, I hate about fan service and pop culture is, is present in here. And lastly, I will say, I will reiterate, because I think I ended up offending a few of our fans on this. Certainly, we had quite a few unsubscriptions <laughs> after that episode. Um, but I guess they're gone now, so they're not hearing. But for anyone left, I'm, if, if anybody enjoyed that movie... Um, that's great and I'm so happy for you this isn't again these are lists these the movies are subjective and I'm not telling you what that your, your opinions are wrong and anyone who says that I'm wrong is wrong because nobody is right or wrong <laughs> I just did not enjoy this movie at all and it made me really angry I mean you made your point we definitely got that you didn't like it um, okay on to guilty pleasures which I have two of the first one being Harry and Meghan a royal wedding the lifetime movie Dave just mentioned um, it was terrible every part of it was terrible and yet I laughed my head off enjoyed every minute of watching it and enjoyed every minute of podcasting with my mom, which I always do particularly in this instance because it was just three of us sitting on the couch drinking wine I think um, and secondly I have to say Mission Impossible Fallout is a guilty pleasure because I shouldn't like these movies um, why not? They're just, they're just not Wait, what I'm feel, about. What, you feel guilty for I liking them? Like, I love them. And yet, if I was to, you know, sit down and like academically try and write everything that I believe is valuable and important in a movie, not a single one of those things applies to this. <laughs> so it's like, it goes against my core values and yet I love it. So therefore, I think it's a guilty pleasure. Uh, Dave, guilty okay, pleasures. I've got two guilty pleasures Great. this year. The first one uh, is a, a Netflix movie called The Night Comes For Us, which you haven't seen. no. But it's a, um, a martial arts action movie, uh, essentially uh, starring... Oh, I've forgotten to write down the... Um, Ito something, I think is his name. He's the star of The Raid, uh, which is the, the Gareth, uh, Gareth Evans action movie from a while ago, which is one of the best and my favorite, one of my favourite action movies of all time. And that dude is amazing. Um, he's in this... It's a basically uh, triad story crime so it's not it's not a good movie basically it's not the the story's bad the acting is atrocious in this really bad stuff but the fight scenes in this are really just intense uh, the choreography is outstanding um and it's so superbly and disgustingly violent so if at all you're into just like the basically the teenager in me uh, resurfaced again because i used to love watching gory horror and action movies uh if, if you if you enjoy watching any of that stuff, this movie is definitely worth a watch for the action scenes alone uh, and just sort of get strung along by the story. Uh, the second guilty pleasure for me is uh, Fifty Shades Freed, the third um, Fifty Shades movie, which uh, we, <laughs> we both saw, which again is an awful, awful movie, but was so fun to watch because it's so outrageously stupid. Yeah. Um, and 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 just just it's a it's a fun movie to hate watch. I would say, get a group of people around, watch that, uh, have a few drinks, and laugh at it because it's so hilariously bad. Yeah, so bad. Um, okay, great. Now are we on to most disappointing? Most disappointing. Of the year. Um, so for reasons I said already, Fantastic Beasts. Though I had very low hopes for it after the last movie, I certainly no, did. The not. last movie was good. Yeah, but I, you know, the last movie didn't set my world on fire, okay. so I wasn't expecting much from this, particularly with like Johnny Depp being in it, which I wasn't keen on. But you know, it was it was even worse than I thought it would be, way worse than I thought it would be. Secondly, uh, really disappointing for me this year, genuinely devastated at this one was I Feel Pretty, um, which is a movie I didn't review with Dave, but with my friend Tessa earlier this year, um, and written and starring Amy Schumer, who I'm a massive fan of, and I think she's fantastic, and I love her TV show. And this was just a complete dud. And actually, 
did some stuff that I really didn't like around like fat shaming and you know being really negative about women's appearance so deeply deeply disappointing on that one and finally Paddington 2 which I saw very early this year though I believe may have come out last year um, I don't know why everyone's raving about it because I found it a disappointing sequel that, I've seen that on some people's best of the year yeah I, I mean I didn't just and now this is not to say I think Fantastic Beasts was a bad movie I don't think Paddington was a bad movie you were just disappointed just, I was disappointed and, and often what it is is you know I, I know it's a good movie it didn't leave me with that warm fuzzy feeling I had from the first one and a lot of that is genuinely what mood you're in what day you go to the cinema you know but for me it didn't have the same magic the first well, one well I haven't seen it and I really want to see it yeah, I, and I'll watch I it again with you to see um, hopefully I might like it better the second viewing ok I've got two most disappointing uh, of the year first one is Ant-Man and the Wasp oh god yeah uh, which I've already said about how much I love these Marvel movies and I thought the first Ant-Man was a lot of fun and this while it's not a terrible movie it's just an absolutely bog average movie It uh, and it's got some fun stuff in here it's a fun watch but Jesus like there's there's nothing to compel you or interest you or get the villains are flat and their motivations are stupid um, the only good thing about this movie funnily was the end the end sequence and I normally don't say for them the, or watch the them the post credits yeah, yeah really good the, bit. Um, so they could have I think they could have skipped the whole movie and just put that on YouTube not enough Michelle Pfeiffer who was basically hugely billed in this um, just re- really stupid and looked kind of cheap and, and crap and didn't have enough invention in it because uh, I, I yeah, basically, wasn't a fan. Go listen to our review. And secondly, a simple favor, which was the um, Paul, uh, what's his name, movie. Uh, I didn't. Oh see my god, it. I'm blanking. Paul you know, Feig. Paul Feig. Yeah, the Paul Feig uh, sort of. It was. It was really heavily marketed as comedy director Paul Feig takes a dark turn to a thrilling source material. Whatever. Didn't land for me. I thought it was. Uh, you know, some fine central performances from Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick, but uh, the movie was really a bit of a mess. Uh, again, I've, re- I've reviewed that because I, I saw it. Uh, and in retrospect, I didn't like it at all, particularly when a lot of people did, so I'm, I feel a bit disappointed um, that I didn't like it more. Okay. Cathy, lastly, what are a few things you didn't get to see this year but really want to? Okay, so top of my list on this one is The Little Stranger, which was directed by Lenny Abrahamson, who I love, and starred Donald Gleeson and Ruth Wilson, both of whom I love. And we were all set to go to the London Irish Film Festival, and um, Kelly, who organised that festival, had really kindly gotten us tickets not only to the movie but to the Q&A with Lenny Abrahamson. And then we couldn't get a babysitter and childcare all fell through. And anyway, honestly, that was my most disappointing of the year because I wanted to see the movie and I really wanted to go and support that festival. So next year we'll go. Um, the other one is Eighth Grade, which I'm dying to see. Um, What's that? It's a movie about a girl in the eighth grade in America that everyone is absolutely raving about. Apparently it just excruciatingly captures that year of your life. And I mean, I've not been able to rent it. I've been trying. And if it was in cinemas here, I completely missed it. Um, the Hate You Gave, which everyone's raving about, which I'd love to see. And again, if it was in the cinema here, I missed it. And it's not available to rent yet. Sorry to bother you. Is in the cinema, but I didn't get to see it. Um, the Wife, I really wanted to see. Didn't get to see it. They Should Not Grow Old, which aired on BBC, which is the Peter Jackson oh, documentary. Yeah, great. Which has been sitting on our planner since it aired and we haven't watched. And finally, of course, Roma, which just got released like last week on Netflix. And we haven't had a chance to watch. Um which everyone's saying is the best movie of the year so hope to enjoy it when I do see it okay I'm literally just going to name these movies because I've got loads of them <laughs> okay. so things I really want to watch that I haven't seen Mandy 
Roma. Mandy. <laughs> yeah, Mandy, the Nicholas Cage one. Supposed to be excellent. Okay. Uh, a Star is Born, you've seen, I really want to yeah, see. Yeah, I loved it. Oh, that should have been in my honourable mention. Apologies. Uh, the Greatest Showman, uh, I cannot wait to watch. Uh, we're, it's actually on Christmas Day. On um, Sky have gifted it to us. Yeah. Did you know that? Uh, so I'm yeah, I def- know that, but we already have Sky Cinema, so we already have it. I'm watching it with my family, and uh, by the way, so are you. Because <laughs> you're going to be there. Um, Anna and the Apocalypse looks fun. Uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. I love the first record, Ralph. Um, American Animals is supposed to be an interesting blend of documentary and sort of um, fictionalised rec- recreation. I Love Dogs. I'm a big Wes Anderson guy. Still haven't seen it. Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> the Old fun. Man and the Gun with Robert Redford looks great. Um, searching. Sorry to Bother You. Black Klansman. Death of Stalin. Uh, <clears throat> Three Identical Strangers, uh, which is a documentary which looks amazing. Like... Uh, incredible true life story uh, The Hate You Give which you've mentioned Won't You Be My Neighbour which is the documentary about Mr. Rogers oh yeah uh, that looks in the good. States Paddington 2 I want to see and lastly another documentary uh, which looks amazing is Free Solo um, about uh, this actual mountaineer guy who basically free soloing is climbing up uh, a mountain without any mountain gear it's what Tom Cruise did in Mission Impossible 2 <laughs> but except that this guy did it for real and just the poster for this movie alone is insane but let's um, face it it won't be as good as Mission Impossible 2 the best of the Mission Impossible franchise oh stop please don't <laughs> um, right we've done a pretty good job there's a, as you can see there's a lot of movies we wanted to see this year that we didn't get to um, hey ho next year will be a better year funnily enough given that we do a film podcast and go to the cinema every week so don't get to see all the movies you want um, but thank you so much to everyone for this listening uh, for listening to us this year Um this is yes. our favourite episode of the year to record and um, it's just such such a laugh really like putting these lists together we really enjoy it it's really hard because uh, you know it makes you realise all the things that you should have seen but it's a nice way to reflect on the year as well like not just what movies we saw but who we saw them with because on this podcast we have like our favourite people in the world come on as guests and we mentioned lots of them um, who've been on and we love going to the cinema with the guests and um yeah, we just love our podcast, don't we? But also, big thank you. We love doing this. And yes. big thank you to all of you who are listening because um, really it would just be so pointless if, <laughs> if it was just if it was just us talking to ourselves. Well, we did it for a long time when we'd no listeners until um, suddenly we'd loads of listeners. But actually, it was a passion. It's a passion project. And, and honestly, whether or not anyone was listening, I'd still do it. But we love we love talking to you guys. Uh, and it's so much fun, the, the, the feedback that we get. And just chatting with you guys, because you guys love movies as much as we do. Um, so quick segue, if you do want to talk to us, um, please follow, uh, chat to us at The Cinemile, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, and we're looking forward to hanging out with everyone in, in 2019 more. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I mean, in general, I lament the state of movies and cinema. But actually, looking back, there have been some amazing stuff this year. And that's, that's why I'm, I am glad to end the year on these episodes, because it's a bit of a... A reminder that all is not lost yeah um, and so if you did enjoy I'm going to do my last plea of the year if you did enjoy listening to us and you know we do this in our spare time um, out of our own money just for passion and love we both have jobs we don't you know we don't do this as a full time job if you like the podcast and you want to support us all we ask is that if you listen to us from Apple Podcasts that you subscribe and that you rate us because um, that really helps us that's kind of the currency of podcasts 
Um, it's a really easy thing to do. You just search for the podcast in the app and you just tap five stars. There's really no other star to tap. But we are on Acast and everywhere else you're, you're listening to podcasts. So wherever you're listening to this, Including please, Spotify. We got on subscribe. Spotify this year. Um, so thank you. And thank you, Dave, for being an excellent co-host, oh. husband and father this year. Well, well thank you. <laughs> Ditto. Uh, Ditto. Oh, I, great. So romantic. No, well, that's you can the, tell the, we're big fans of Ghost. The thing from Ghost, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, thanks, Cathy. That's lovely. I'm not, uh, so you made me really awkward. I'll tell, <laughs> okay. you, I'll tell you what I really think in private. Okay. Bye. Bye, everyone. Hi, guys. This is Kobe from Flixwatcher Podcast and The Wire Stripped. Um, so my best and worst films of the year both came at the end of the year. I'm going to start with the worst, which I decree to be Aquaman. Um, not the worst film ever, ever made, but a it's probably been, it's probably been a really good year for me in terms of going to the cinema. But B... People seem to be saying it's not that bad a film, which I don't think is a reason to to recommend it. I, I just don't think it's that good at all. Um, CGI was some CGI was amazing. Arthur Curry, aka Aquaman, was good. Everything else I thought was uh, atrocious. To be honest, with you. the story was bad. Dialogue was bad. <laughs> the best film this year is Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. I've seen it twice in less than a week, which means it must have been good. Uh, genre defining animation so funny so intelligent lord and miller who made and produces film need to be able to do everything they want to ever until the end of time hello kathy and dave this is helen from flicks watcher podcast my good for 2018 would be cold war it's beautiful romantic up and down crazy love story set against this bleak bleak cold war it's just a beautiful beautiful film i highly recommend it and my bad would be hereditary it just didn't quite live up to expectations despite the amazing performance by tony collette bye sam here from the picture house and 90 minutes or less film fest podcasts I think 2018 has been a very strong year for films indeed. My letterboxed account is full to the brim with four and five star reviews. But my favourite film of the year is Paul Thomas Anderson's Phantom Fred. What a film. Guys, what a film. It's got that wonderful Johnny Greenwood score. We introduced Vicky Creeps to a much wider audience. She is magnificent. And Daniel Day-Lewis in reportedly his last ever screen role. He is so good in this film. So watchable. I've seen this film a couple of times now and I cannot wait to watch it again. Big recommend for that film. My least favourite film this year has to be James Marsh's The King of Thieves. A terrible, terrible, terrible film about the Hatton Garden heist. It feels like it's probably about the seventh film about the Hatton Garden heist. This is the one that stars all those famous uh, old British actors like Michael Caine, Michael Gambon, Tom Courtney, and Charlie Cox off of Daredevil as the token young one uh, in this film. There's so many things wrong with this film, and it's baffling because it's James Marsh who's actually a really good director. He did The Theory of Everything and Man on Wire way back when. Anyway... Something must have happened in the intervening years. Maybe he was hit on the head or something because this film is awful. Thanks for all the cinemas this year, Dave and Kathy. See you next year. Goodbye. Hi, Dave and Kathy. Jake here from Ghibliotech and the Curzon Film Podcast. Um, my favourite film of the year is probably one that ended up on a lot of lists for last year as well. It's Paul Thomas Anderson's Phantom Thread. I'm a sucker for a romance, and this is unlike many others 
Vicky Creeps is phenomenal and completely holds her own against Daniel Day-Lewis, who incidentally was robbed at the Oscars by Gary Oldman doing Churchill caricatures in a fat suit. Also, Johnny Greenwood's score has been a tonic during any tough times, instantly soothing the track The House of Woodcock is one of my most played of the year too. Worst film has got to be Duncan Jones's Mute, which got dumped on Netflix after being hyped for years. The less said about it, the better, but it took me four tries to finish it, so that tells you a lot. Happy Christmas to you both, and of course to Oscar as well, and to all your listeners too. Hello, this is Rob Daniel. And Rob Wallace. From the Electric Shadows podcast, and we are here to quickly tell you what was our best film of the year and our worst film of the year. Rob, what was your best film of the year? Uh, my favourite film of the year was First Reformed, uh, written and directed by Paul Schrader, probably best, still best known as the uh, writer on Taxi Driver. Uh, I don't know, I have no idea why this appealed to me. You know, I just thought it was really subtle and intelligent. It was a real interrogation of faith and knowing and not knowing. And it uh, and with some really odd magical realist touches to it, I thought it was, it was interesting. I um, found it was thought it was a magnificent, really deeply moving piece of cinema. Cool. Well, my favourite film was The Meg. Not really. <laughs> so my favourite film was Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. It's a great film. It's one where you think you know who are the heroes and who are the villains, but over the course of the film, it all begins to shift a little bit. I thought it was grown up in the best way. It was darkly comic, and it's just a real treat, so you should watch it. And um, what's your worst film? My worst film of the year. Uh, my worst film of the year... Uh, is well, you know what? It's also my. It's, it's probably not quite my worst, uh, but it's definitely my most disappointing. That has to go to Mute, uh, the new Duncan Jones film on Netflix. Uh, it's rubbish. Right. It's just <laughs> utterly unengaging. Alexander Sarsgaard as this Amish mute wandering through a vaguely futuristic. I think it, I think it's uh, L.A. Could be New York. It's that Blade Runner generic in search of his lost daughter. Um, lots of interest, what could have been interesting elements, clearly some stuff drawn from Duncan Jones, his own childhood, you know, the time he spent in Berlin, but really amounts to absolutely nothing. Fair enough. Uh, my most disappointing film is Hereditary, which I thought was a horror film made by someone who hadn't watched lots of, hadn't watched lots of horror films and thought that they were being quite original with what they were doing. Um... Yes, really, really didn't get on with this. I thought, I've seen this all before, I, and I thought it had the silliest ending of any film this year. So I would recommend you don't watch Hereditary, even though it does have one great jump moment in it. And thank you to Cathy and Dave for inviting us on, and Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Hey everyone, my name is Emer Varian Barry. I'm a very old, very old friend of Kathy and Dave's. And I uh, will be coming on the podcast next year. Didn't make it this year, but it will be next year for sure. My favourite movie of all time and my non-favourite movie ever. Um, Moulin Rouge, I know, I know. Moulin Rouge is like this. <laughs> loads of people love Moulin Rouge. And I wanted to come up with something a bit more unique and everything. But it, you know what? I just love it. It gives me everything that I look for in a film. Like, I cry. So I'm literally traumatised. I <laughs> absolutely, like, hated Zoolander 2. What are you doing? Stop. You just ruined Zoolander completely. And now I look at Zoolander 1. Totally different. Now, the reason why I chose my favourite film and my least favourite film is because I don't have any films to talk about at the moment. 
I have not been to the cinema in so long because I have three children under five. No, I don't actually. I have three. She just turned five. I have three children under six. Um, so I, yeah, like going to the cinema to me is just, I, I just would love to go to the cinema. Like I have to make it happen. I can't just go like willy nilly like before. Uh, so hopefully I will get to go to the cinema in the new year with Kathy and we will do a review on that film. Okay, I'm gonna go now <laughs> and wrap some Christmas presents. Have a great Christmas, bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What would you say if I told you there's a book that can teach you how to win The Bachelor? What would you say if I told you producers caught multiple finalists reading that book in this season that's currently airing? What would you say if I told you the producers don't want anyone to know that their show has been compromised? How do we know all this? We wrote that book. I'm Lizzie Pace. And I'm Chad Colchin. We're the authors of How to Win the Bachelor and the hosts of the Game of Roses podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we break down all the biggest plays, errors, and MVPs in the game of reality television. Listen to Game of Roses wherever you get your podcasts and go to howtowinthebachelor.com to get our book. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.